When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sleeper has a new $1 daily drafts game, and if you love your draft, push your chips into the middle of the table and supercharge your payout. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you that 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. Takeaways! Yes! Yes! Wow! Fun! Fun football weekend, right? And go back to Thursday, we had the Eagles here. This hat, as you can tell, is super tight on my head. I mean, it's it's incredibly tight, this Eagles hat. I just want to show you, this was my favorite. I can barely take it. I can barely take it out. This was my favorite hat in high school, uh, but I used to wear it backwards. You can see how uh, the sweat stains... But I used to wear it backwards because I love the eagle. Like the, when you wear a backwards fitted cap with it with the eagle uh, emblazoned on the front, I thought it was very cool. But my head has grown. I don't know if it's the steroids. I don't know what's going on. HGH. I don't know what's happening. But my head. This I was. Uh, what is this? This is a size seven and a quarter. So I was a seven and a quarter in high school, and now much bigger. I can barely get that thing on. But uh, I was a Patriots fan for most of my life. My father, grandfather, you know, watching the games every Sunday. In high school, I rebelled and started to cheer for the Eagles just because. Uh, I love Randall Cunningham, Fred Barnett, Reggie White, all those guys was great. And then, you know, later in life, uh, I came back to the sentimental childhood team of the New England Patriots before they won the championship. Thank, thank God. Thank God I wasn't, you know, a like a a northern Maine bandwagon Patriots fan. That would be like one of the worst possible fan profiles you could ever imagine, ever. Eagles were great, uh, continue to be undefeated, and now uh, looking a little bit stronger than the Bills. I mean, is is have they overtaken the Bills in the power rankings? I think most power rankings. The Bills are going to be uh, below the Eagles. The Bills now have two losses. They've lost to the Dolphins. They've lost to the Jets. So I think this is a celebration. The Eagles top of the power rankings. And if you look at the the Bills, we we warned you about this every time. I mean, this is the rule of betting. It doesn't matter what the teams are. It Nothing matters. Don't look at anything. You have a home dog getting 10-plus points. You bet it. You bet it. The last time I looked, the Bills were giving... 11 and a half. That might have gone up from there. It was 11 and a half. I wrote it down. I was like, ooh, 11 and a half. That's, that's a high number. Ooh, for, for a road favorite? Woo, that's crazy. You just take the, the Jets on principle. You could also take the Jets' money line, which, again, the big, every year, I'd say at least twice a year in the NFL, there's one of these big, massive home dogs that just wins outright, and it's the best money line it's ever. I mean, it's always in forever. And uh, this was the issue. This was why we weren't so all in on Josh Allen this week in DFS. We're like, eh, yes, it's fine. 
but this game is not feel shootouty. This is a this game is going to get dragged into the mud. I know the Jets can drag this game into the mud, and they did. We're like, well, maybe you could do Josh Allen with Gabe Davis. Maybe you can salary save. Maybe Josh Allen, Dawson Knox, and then always one guy on the run back. Always one guy on the run back, Garrett Wilson. Why Garrett Wilson on the run back? Easily, right? Because Garrett Wilson has the athleticism to create yards on his own and to create fantasy points on his own. That's why you love wide receivers like Garrett. Wide receiver matters. So one of the big themes from this week, we have some big overarching themes from this week. One, uh, life comes at you fast. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford. Life comes at you fast. That's one takeaway. Another takeaway is a wide receiver quality matters. Another takeaway is quarterback quality matters. Another takeaway is uh, Justin Fields matters. Another takeaway is Devontae Adams matters. Uh, the Terrace Marshall truther bus is full. Uh, defensive scheme matters. It matters for MVS versus Juju, right? Uh, and whether or not your body can actually perform feats of athletic brilliance at a high level matters. And that's 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 more the Rams Bucks game, right? Remember the Rams Bucks game. Uh, Kirk Cousins matters, and so that's a, a, another observation. So good for Kirk Cousins. Just uh, they are steamrolling. So it's looking like Vikings Eagles NFC Championship game. Vikings Eagles NFC Championship game. So I'm very happy for Kirk Cousins. Those are my high level takeaways. A lot of things mattering this week. A lot of things don't matter. I get that a lot of things don't matter. Most people want to fixate on the things that don't matter, especially in analytics. Oh, this doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Running backs don't matter. Defenses don't matter. But I think this week we learned a lot of things matter. Running back matters in fantasy. This was the week to play running backs in flex and DFS. ETN mattered. Eckler mattered. Kenny Walker mattered. So we had a lot of mattering. Lots of mattering. And with Garrett Wilson... Even if you have a wide receiver who's in a situation where they're looking like they're, they're not going to get big volume, 10 targets, a pipe dream, uh, bad quarterback play, game dragged into the mud. If you still want to somehow get exposure to that game, maybe Josh Allen's on the other side, like what happened this week. Well, you can still play players like Garrett Wilson. They're essentially game script proof and game total proof. So even if there's only 37 points scored in this game, you could play Garrett Wilson knowing that he can be efficient. If he gets eight targets, he can catch seven of those targets, and then he can do a lot with those targets, right? So he ended up putting 17 fantasy points up. He got there. He was a great great run back for Josh Allen. Josh Allen's stacks were a, a total flameout. Josh Allen's stacks were the worst stacks on the slate in DFS because of Josh Allen's salary being so much higher than everyone else's. And then he didn't do anything other than, oh, two touchdowns on the ground, right? He didn't do anything passing. So he only got your 24 points. Only 24 points for Josh Allen in DFS is a disaster. But the problem is if he doesn't do anything throwing the ball, that whatever Josh Allen stacks you played, dud it out. Gabe Davis, five fantasy points. Dawson Knox, five fantasy points. Just uh, useless. But the larger point is wide receiver athleticism. If you are an explosive athlete and you can go up and get it and then you can roll up those yards after the catch, then 
even if Zach Wilson is your quarterback and he's throwing for 150 yards, you yourself, that one wide receiver, because of his athletic profile, is someone you can play in DFS, you can play in tournaments, regardless of the game situation, the game conditions. So that is a big takeaway for now and for the future. Wide receiver quality absolutely matters. So if you have a Garrett Wilson, the the quarterback is certainly much better off. Just ask Aaron Rodgers. Ask Justin Herbert. Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with this all year. It was so funny. I We talk about this every time. Basically, this show is really a recap of the stack fest show that we do on roto grinders that roto grinders youtube show it's just this is basically a a a recap of that show because i mean this that show has been on fire i think that this past friday we were the most right across the board uh, of all season of all the the takes all season and the funny part is and why i enjoy that show so much is that i'm not as plugged into the community i don't know who all the sharp minds all the savvy DGens, right? I don't know. I, I, all, all the the DFS hipsters. I don't know the plays that they're they're touting, right? I don't. I don't know. They, we're they're you know, sarcastically talking about certain players being chalk, and I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about, right? Or just uh, dismissing you. With, with a wave of a condescending hand, like, oh, of course that, that's a great play this week. Oh, of course. Like, I have no idea. I have to ask Eric. I'm like, so who, who are people playing this week, Eric? Who, who, what, what is the public doing? What, 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 or what is, the, what is the smart public doing? I don't know if that's a thing. What's the smart public thinking? What, what are the smart public? What are they saying on podcasts? Eric, let me know. And he goes, he goes this week, he goes, get this. He goes, he goes, they're playing Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, no, that can't be true. And then I went through the game logs. I was like, okay, he hasn't been anywhere close to a millimaker winner all year. And he was one time last year. One time he had like 34 fantasy points against Minnesota. I was like, he had that one week against Minnesota. And the, the beauty is Devontae Adams also had a huge explosion game so the Rodgers Adams stacks hit that week in a big way and get two touchdowns so yes yes it's certainly possible that if Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams that he can be a Millie Maker winning quarterback but he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers and he's not the same player he was even last year so until we see it from Aaron Rodgers you don't have to play Aaron Rodgers stacks at all he's like oh no he's the chalk this week I'm like this is ridiculous this doesn't mean what? Aaron Rodgers is a st- chalk. So, again, I'm just, I, I go into these shows, like, just indignant. Like, what? And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he tells me the logic, and I'm like, <laughs> that's not that's not good enough. Like, that's not logical enough. And then, sure enough, Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, guys, I don't have Devontae Adams anymore, and I don't really have the skill set I used to. And I'm not running anymore. So why the hell would you play me in DFS tournaments? Much like cash games even? Ugh, gross. Just great. Upside also matters in cash. And then we started talking about, I was like, oh, Justin Herbert stacks sound pretty good. This You can get a lot of value. Herbert, Carter, Herbert, Everett. And then, I, and then I, it struck me. I was like, wait, wait a second. Wait, you, you better be consistent here. You better be consistent. If you're going to just 
throw the Aaron Rodgers stacks in the dumpster and mock and ridicule that process, then you need to check yourself if you're all in on Herbert this week. And I was like, wait a second. I don't I don't think I'm all in on Herbert this week. It was like a live revelation. I was like, wait a second. We can't be all in on Herbert if his receivers are Carter and Palmer. Palmer is the definition of an average receiver. He's All his advanced efficiency metrics, he's ranked somewhere between 40 and 50. He's the median wide receiver in the NFL, the median starting wide receiver in the NFL. Not even. He's the median one through three wide receiver in the NFL. Because he's if he was if he was just the average starter in two wide receiver sets, he'd be he'd be better than that. Right? So whoa, right? Whoa. He's gonna give you some volume based production. Maybe he's efficient, maybe he's not. And then sure enough, Josh Palmer had the ultimate cash game get there three X week. And he wasn't very useful in tournaments, and neither was Justin Herbert. I was like, yeah, this is why we wind down our exposure on Justin Herbert when he has no weapons. So what are the stacking options, right? You're like, oh, yeah, you can get great value. Wait a second. What are we talking about here? Is Justin Herbert going to go out and run for 80 yards and a touchdown? No. So he's not necessarily the type of quarterback that you would be excited about getting value on his receivers. When Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray have value options at wide receiver like Rondale Moore. That's exciting. That's that's where you're like, oh, wow. But when, oh, there's a, a value Josh Palmer, 5K on DraftKings, or there's DeAndre Carter, sub 4, 5K on DraftKings. Hey, yes. Oh, so happy day we can play these. Justin Herbert stacks, no, because Justin Herbert doesn't run enough. He doesn't run enough to stack him aggressively unless you have two big playmakers at wide receiver. So knowing that, then it's like, oh, wait, no, I would have twice as much exposure to Geno Smith stacks because his wide receivers are DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and that game should shoot out bigger, better, more points to go around between Geno, Metcalf, and Lockett than Herbert, Carter, and Palmer. So when you, you when you actually walk it back and say, wait, why do I hate Rodgers again? Oh yeah, for that reason, we can't be all in on Herbert. Herbert has to be one of these deprioritized quarterbacks in your DFS portfolio this week. He's not going to be that strong of a play, and sure enough, he wasn't. Carter, more of a G, you know, GPP play. Palmer, great cash play, but if he's over 5K, not a great tournament play, actually. And bingo. <laughs> oh, bingo. Deion Jackson was a good process. Picking up Deion Jackson and maybe starting him because you had you know, a bipocalypse situation. I had a lot, some, some teams where you have Tony Pollard and Nick Chubb on by. It's not great, right? So... You have to throw a starter out there. Listen, Deion, he dominated the carries. And we has a 10 reception game on his 2022 resume. He outcarried all the other running backs on Indianapolis. Philip Lindsay, Jordan Wilkins, right? 11 to 4 dominated the carry distribution. So that tells me that was good process. If it went out and they were, they were giving the ball to Lindsay and Wilkins, then okay, right? That would have been bad process. Okay, we, we were fooled. 
Deion Jackson's no good. But no, the team clearly thinks of Deion Jackson as the handcuff to Jonathan Taylor. And I think he's going to be the satellite back when Jonathan Taylor returns. And I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be right for another few weeks. This ankle injury that Jonathan Taylor suffered is similar to the Saquon Barkley ankle injury from a few years ago, where he wasn't right until week 13. I suspect that's what's going to happen with Jonathan Taylor. He tried to play through it. He made it worse, exacerbated it. He's going to have to take some weeks off. Then he's going to come back, still not be 100%. We're going to look up. It's week 13. We're finally getting a, a big spike week from Jonathan Taylor, but it's going to take a while. In the meantime, Deion Jackson is going to put up fantasy points because he's explosive and he catches passes, and he happens to be close to 220 pounds. So just check those three boxes. Those are the first three boxes you get to check. Size, explosiveness, receiving skills, boom, boom, boom. Even if the offense is incompetent, which with Sam Ellinger, it is. Remember remember the previous week? Remember the previous week where Eric told me that everyone was playing Sam Ellinger? I was like, what? Yeah, this is why. You don't play Sam Ellinger. He doesn't generate enough offense. Like, that's a thing you have to remember. Certain quarterbacks can't generate any offense. P.J. Walker can't generate any offense. I mean, one game's not enough. We've seen plenty from Geno Smith to tell us that Geno Smith can generate offense. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. But the beauty with Geno Smith is he's good and his wide receivers are good. So then you can play him super aggressively in DFS. Not as aggressively as you're playing like Tua because his receivers are even more explosive, right? It's like... Waddle's a better version of Tyler Lockett. Tyreek Hill's a better version of DK Metcalf. But these are the types of pocket passers you would play in DFS that have the consolidated target share, where it's basically two superstars that the quarterback, the pocket passer, is throwing to, and then you know you can just double stack, double stack, double stack, double stack, double stack. Now, the, the Tua, Waddle, Tyreek Hill double stacks, very expensive. So you might have mixed in some Gusecki, and that's fine process too. Gusecki is going to be very volatile week to week. That's what it is. So wide receiver matters a lot, which is why Geno Smith has 18.6 fantasy points per game. Aaron Rodgers, 14.7 fantasy points a game. This isn't like after three weeks. This is at the halfway point in the season. Can you believe this? Can you believe this is where we are? That Geno Smith has four more fantasy points per game? And then you might look up and go, well, uh, Rodgers is 40 and his best receiver is Alan Lazard and a bunch of rookies behind him. And then, oh, yeah, Sammy Watkins. And it's like, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so break it down and think about any given play that happens on the field. Think about these plays where Justin Jefferson will, will secure a pass behind him in traffic and he'll squeeze it like under his armpit. A lot of other receivers, the inferior receivers that a lot of these other quarterbacks are dealing with, they'll drop that pass. They won't secure it. So that right there, there's, there's not only uh, missed fantasy points, that's also potentially a stalled drive. So this is why wide receiver matters so much because not only are they going to generate fantasy points for the quarterback, they're also going to extend drives. So those passes that the best receivers not only squeeze, but then the yards after the catch, the, the broken tackles. Think about that long run from Debo this year where he had the yards after the catch, then he broke like seven tackles. Well, that matters a lot. That's a drive that another wide receiver may have 
helped to stall out because either dropped the pass or got tackled by the first defender, and then they're kicking or they're going for it and missing it or whatever it is. Either way, the quarterback doesn't see many of those yards and doesn't see the touchdown when that wide receiver is inferior to the superstar wide receiver. So if you have a quarterback with two superstar wide receivers, you need to get really excited about that possibility. This sounds super obvious. Like, I understand how obvious this sounds, but just know Aaron Rodgers was getting drafted before Tua in fantasy football all summer. That's a thing. Just remember that happened and why that process was so bad. Even if your process is good, and I can tell you that when Evan Silva and I get together to tout or tear down a team, our process has been really good. I mean, we, we've absolutely destroyed, mocked, ridiculed, and just deconstructed the New York Giants under Dave Gettleman, the Chicago Bears under Ryan Pace, Bill O'Brien's Houston Texans, and <laughs> if you go way back to the Cleveland Browns, who no longer have the general manager at the time, no longer have their quarterback at the time. So that team has totally turned over since Evan and I took them down. So we had a great track record. We were supposed to tear down the Seattle Seahawks. And just schedules and workloads and responsibilities and scheduling, it just didn't work out, okay? I think I said schedule twice. It just didn't work out. No big deal. Evan felt so bad, and I was like, listen, it's not a big deal, man. Like, we've done so many shows over the years. This is cool. You were my first guest on the podcast. I'll always be in your debt. We'll, we'll, we'll do another show sometime. We'll tear down another team at some point. No big deal. Now I look up, and I'm like, oh, my God, phew. Oh, because that was a pretty good process. That was, that was almost too easy. The question was, do we want to tear down another team because the Seahawks takedown is just a little too easy? That's like low-hanging fruit. But then that's why the NFL is the top sport in America. And here's how big the NFL is. The second biggest sporting event in the United States is the NFL draft. That's how, you, that's how big the NFL is. And this is why. This kind of parody, but not just parody. It's, it's not just like, oh, well, the teams are pretty even. But it's also super unpredictable. You have small sample sport. You have short-term contracts. You have a lot of injuries, unfortunately. That's not something the NFL actually wants, but it does contribute to the volatility year-to-year of these teams. And it just makes for a super interesting off-season and regular season and playoffs and the, the Super Bowl. Everything's fun. The whole pro- All month, all year, there's something going on with football. Like they've engineered the off-season schedule so that's always okay the combine and then okay now we're into here and now we have free agency and then boom 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 the draft boom boom mini camp boom 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 training camp boom boom preseason now we're into the season. Looking at this Arizona Seattle game that was the game we targeted that was the that was our signature game to really focus on and get extra exposure to because you had two quarterbacks that you wanted to stack you also wanted. Kyler Murray stacks, and and then the question was, well, what about Hopkins? And I was like, well, Seattle has good safety play. Whenever you have these teams with good safeties, they're more likely to shade coverage towards superstars and erase superstars. 
And that's exactly what happened. There, there was no way that every week DeAndre Hopkins was going to put up 15 targets. Like There was going to have to be a week that some team decided, hey, we're going to take DeAndre Hopkins away. I was worried that that would be this week. So I was like, well, there's also some other options here. I mean, not necessarily Zach Ertz. Never that excited to play Zach Ertz. I know that he totally got there and he had a good game. Productive. You know, happy for Zach Ertz. But more Rondale Moore. More like, hey, Rondale Moore is that guy. Rondale Moore has that explosiveness. Rondale Moore has that tackle-breaking ability. Rondale Moore can make something out of nothing. And that's a big deal in DFS. That's how you get a spike week, especially a spike week at value. So we identified Murray, Moore, Walker stacks. Walker on the on the run back, and then boom, Walker, 27 fantasy points. You're basically betting on Seattle getting a lead, and then Arizona comeback mode where Kyler Murray looks like the worst quarterback in the league through three quarters, and then he's a hero in the fourth quarter and has a big fantasy week, and then sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So that was a, a sort of a fun prediction that this is probably the week that – Coverage shades over to Hopkins, and then therefore, who do you play? You keep playing Murray. It, it, even if there's only one receiver that gets there with him, fine. He's a rushing quarterback. That's all you care about. You single stack guys like Murray. You got you got a double stack. The two is you got a double stack. The uh, Geno Smiths, and then boom. And then we also talked about a new type of stack. We invented a new type of stack on that show, which was stacking the quarterback naked with the opposing wide receivers. And you know what game that happened in. You know what game that hit in a big way. The Fields Tyreek Hill stack. You could stack Fields with Hill and Waddle. Oh, baby! That's a new kind of stack. We invented a new stack. The opposite quarterback. If he's just such a prolific rushing quarterback and you're never that excited to play any of his receivers, they're essentially not playable. Darnell Mooney had a great game and not that exciting for, for fantasy looking at DFS tournaments, right? Certainly, guy puts up 17 fantasy points in a week where all these other wide receivers are on by. I had to play a bunch of Mooney this week. I drafted Mooney in a bunch of leagues, guilty, right? And played him because of the, all these bye weeks and then looked up, oh, hey, look at that, 17 fantasy points. I'm happy, very happy. This is terrific. Good for him, man. But 17 fantasy points from a 5K-plus wide receiver in DFS, that's not going to cut it, right? That's not it. But Justin Fields putting up 47 fantasy points stacked with Hill and Waddle? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. So that's 46 points from the wide receiver with 47 points from Justin Fields. That's 93 fantasy points. 93 fantasy points from that stack. I mean, innovation. And do not think that it's over in DFS tournaments, especially for Darnell Mooney. I don't want you to think it's over. Like, no, you, you, you can only play Justin Fields naked. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that because they clearly did not spy on Justin Fields. We're letting him do whatever he wanted. They said, we'll, we'll, we'll let Justin Fields beat us. If he can beat us, fine. And uh, he almost beat him. He should have beat him. Could have beat him. Would have been really cool if he beat him. That would have been really cool. Uh, but they said, we're going to let Fields beat us. And he almost did, which was super cool. And it just reminded me of uh, the going back to Fields every week. And this was from weeks ago. We pointed out that had a particular run from Justin Fields not been called back due to penalty, that the perception of him as a fantasy producer 
would have changed weeks ago. Like it would have sped up the process. They talked about a lot of these these tech companies. The pandemic sped up their earnings and then basically set unrealistic expectations, which is why the Nasdaq then crashed. Basically, it took the growth that certain companies were expecting over a two or three year period, condensed it down and all that growth happened in a year. Well, had Justin Fields actually scored on this particular run, it would have sped up the coming to Jesus on Justin Fields that we predicted. Remember this run? Oh, he's on the 40-yard line against the Vikings. Scrambles left. And then whoop, whoop, whoop. It was reminiscent of Michael Vick against those same Vikings where the Vikings are colliding with each other. That was pretty much it. So he said, hey, imagine that, that run actually happened. Imagine that run was in the box score. Now what do you think of Justin Fields? Oh, yeah, things change. One play can delay the proper perception of a player weeks. Ooh, that's a takeaway. That's a good takeaway. Lock that takeaway in. That's a this, that's that's a great takeaway. And uh, Wilson looked a hell of a lot better than Mostert because Wilson is better than Mostert. Mostert's not that good. Chase Edmonds was banished because he couldn't hold on to the football. He was dropping passes. He led the league in drops among running backs, despite a much lower snap share and opportunity share than some of the other running backs on that list, of the top five list. So they're like, we can't trust this guy. Their teammates hate him. Every time they look up, he's killing drives. We can't play this Chase Edmonds. It was a, he's a bust. You know, it was a bad contract. And they're like, we'll ship him out. We'll ship him to Denver, whatever. We'll bring in someone we can trust, Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson is similar to Raheem Mostert, except he's like five years younger. He knows the system the same. They're very similar players, similar uh, competency in the passing game good but not great wide receivers good but not great between the tackles very good on outside zone runs and that's it right that's the similar players one guy has a lot more juice because he's a lot younger if they were both in their prime i'd want Mostert, but they're not both in their prime wilson's in his prime Mostert's definitely not in his prime anymore and so it makes sense that wilson would be better than Mostert and I talked about how Jeff Wilson's a big winner from like the trade deadline and everyone had sort of moved on. He's like, "Oh well, no, it's we're, we're we've decided that it's 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 uh, most dirt season. We can't change the season in Miami. The seasons don't change in Miami. It's most dirt season for the rest of the year." I was like, "No, no I think the seasons are going to be changing in Miami. I think we can go down to Wilson season. Why if you're if you're Mike McDaniel and you have a younger version of the other guy and you went out and actively acquired him wouldn't you play him and the answer is yes and so the they, similar opportunity share this past week and i expect wilson to continue to uh you know take over that backfield and we also talked about on the friday stack fest show how this was the week to play a running back in flex because so many of the wide receiver options were in challenging situations or they were just super expensive. There weren't a lot of great value plays. You know, oh, Josh Palmer, right? And so you play ETN, you play Austin Eckler, you play Kenneth Walker, ETN, 25 fantasy points. Don't forget to play Eckler. He had 23 fantasy points. Kenneth Walker, 27 fantasy points. I mean, that was an easy one. The Kenneth Walker thing. I was like, what am I missing here? What, what's, 
how do you not? It's the Cardinals, and the Seahawks are favored. So you, you play Kenneth Walker. The end. Easy. So this was one of those rare weeks. Now, because the NFL has become such a, a, a pass-centric league, you rarely play running back in flex in DFS, especially in tournaments. But in week nine, you never say never. And, and there are exceptions to every rule. And when there are all these bye weeks, but you had a bunch of great value and, and upside for the dollar at running back, oh, playing a running back in flex was a good idea. And uh, we can't forget uh, the GOAT uh, running back performance of the season, uh, Joe Mixon. So Joe Mixon had uh, similar fantasy production to, I think, more. Justin Fields. I think he had more production. I think he had like at least five more fantasy points than Justin Fields. And that was the thing. We were like, talk. And on the StackFest show, Dario kept running the optimizer, right? He kept running our lineup genius, the DFS lineup genius that we have on playerprofiler.com. It's in the, the DFS package. And it's by far and away our most sophisticated module in terms of individual features and functionality that we have on the site. The lineup genius has by far and away the most horsepower. It's the coolest thing we, we have. And we kept setting up all these stacks. We were trying to stack all of these Geno stacks where we were mocking up Kyler Murray stacks. And I just remember Joe Mixon kept showing up in all these lineups. And I was like, see the Joe Mixon? You see the Joe Mixon? You see the Joe Mixon? And whenever you see Joe Mixon, until now, like this is how perception can change in one week. 24 hours ago, anyone that looks up and sees Joe Mixon in lineups goes, eh, that's pretty good. Eh, never mind, there's no Jamar Chase. And they're playing the Panthers at home. Eh, I can't get excited. I just can't get it. There's something about that Joe Mixon brand that, that it does not exude explosive spike week upside and you could see it in eric's face he's like that's okay i understand it i get it and i was like eric it may not feel great but ask yourself this question when else are you going to play mixon you have a, a week where all these other running backs are on by right you can't play mccaffrey on the main slate you can't play tony pollard you can't play barkley you can't play chubb you can't play derrick henry even who are you going to play, right? What kind of you know, kind of your premium running back you're going to play? You're going to want to play Joe Mixon at home against Carolina and P.J. Walker. If you're not going to play him, you'll never play him. He'll never make it into your, your DFS lineup. He's certainly the play in cash, and he absolutely has a high ceiling, a three-touchdown ceiling at home against Carolina. Come on, man. And then sure enough, boom. He hit a ceiling that I didn't even know he had. I mean, five touchdowns. <laughs> what? That's not. I wonder what percentile upside that is. We have a 90th percentile upside rating, and he scored very well in our upside ratings. We have an upside rating a section of the DFS Dominator as well. So that's what feeds into the uh, tournament lineup genius is the upside rating. It's not the, the median projection. It's the upside projection, the 90th percentile upside projection. And so that's why he kept showing up because he was performing very well in that metric as well, that projection as well. Because if not, if not now, when, right? That's the that's that's a question I love to ask. If not now, when with Joe Mixon? I mean, come on. And Terrace Marshall. Ha <laughs> This bandwagon's getting pretty full, isn't it? The truther wagon? Is it a what well, bandwagon's not it? It's a truther bus. 
right? We, we've, we've eliminated the bandwagon. That's a cliche. I should cliche alert myself for that. That was embarrassing. We don't use cliches on this show. At least we try not to. It's a truther bus. That's another invention and innovation that we have, the truther bus. Where is everybody? Remember a couple weeks ago? Where is everybody? We have a starting wide receiver who was a five-star prospect at LSU, second-round pick with exceptional athleticism, and was dominant in his final year. He had a, a truncated final year, but he was dominant in those few games. And what? We're just going to forget all of that? One year? At the wide receiver position, one of the hardest positions to learn, we're just going to forget that. Okay, cool. 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 That's fine. That's cool. Yeah, fine. Yeah, good. Good. Fine. Yeah, fine. But yes, I'm very happy for uh, Kirk Cousins. We should show this photo. This was a great photo. I think I had this photo handy. Look at this photo. Look at, look at Kirk Cousins. Huh? Look at him. Look at him. Hey, Kirk. Look at him. He is shirtless, looking buff, cool glasses. Right, I think I think he has glasses almost as cool as mine. Right, he has a you know what the just in, in honor of Kirk Cousins, and, and he's wearing all these chains. I mean, on the plane celebrating, headed to the uh, NFC Championship game to face the Eagles. I mean, good for him, man. Good for him. You like that? You like that? And uh, Justin Jefferson, everybody like it's just that's a that's a team that has been drafting well. They've treated their picks as precious. They've been acquiring picks. They've been moving off players at the right time. I've talked to Cody about this. This is Cody's team, the Vikings. And, and we love their moves. And we're just like, why can't the Vikings take out the Packers this year? This was the question I kept asking Anand. Why not the Vikings? Why not the Lions eventually? What year are the Lions going to take out the Packers? So that's the takeaway. It's, it's over. Game over. It's finished. Finish him! Kirk Cousins finished Aaron Rodgers this week. It's over. It's absolutely over. You like that? You like that? You got to like that, right? I got three words for you. You like that? And yes, uh, with Kirk Cousins, quarterback quality also matters. It matters more. It matters. Quarterback quality matters a little bit more. And I think there's a perception that Quarterback quality matters so much more than wide receiver quality, right? And then that now I think this this week we're learning. Oh no no, oh no no, no no no, no no. Devonte Adams is going to smash no matter what. Devonte Adams is one of those wide receivers you just play naked, right? He's one of those elite wide receivers you just get in the lineups in DFS and tournament lineups, knowing he can go completely nuclear, just like Justin Jefferson. Hey, you may not be playing a lot of Kirk Cousins stacks this week. Make sure you're playing Justin Jefferson. Hey, you're off Derek Carr this week. Don't forget about Devontae Adams. Hey, hey, you know, oh, we're off the Chargers this week. Don't forget about Austin Eckler. That's one of those that you don't forget about players. Don't forget about naked Devontae Adams. I know you have naked Kirk Cousins. That's what made me think of it. I saw Kirk Cousins naked. And it made me think of Devontae Adams naked. What's that about? I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what that is. And the problem with some of these value upside wide receivers that we play every week is that they can be taken out by scheme. That's the thing, right? The better the wide receiver, the more difficult they are to be schemed away. That's why Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't that good, but his upside is great, though he's not very good because he's in the right system with the right skill set though he doesn't have a versatile wide receiver skill set that would allow him to run intermediate and short routes successfully and command targets at a high level. He can't do that. He's never been able to do that. He can't do it with Rodgers, can't do it with Mahomes. It's not going to happen. 
But you want to keep going back to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, even though he put up the big dud, and now they have Kadarius Tony. Oh, Kadarius Tony. No, Kadarius Tony is more of a threat to Mikol Hardman. And when you look at the box score, you think, oh, well, he must have taken over the role of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. No, 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 no. Kadarius Tony is not a traditional field stretcher like Mar like Valdez Scantling is. Valdez Scantling was schemed away by shell coverage. Okay, that that cover three shell coverage. Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to run right into two guys every time, and he's going to do it for the benefit of the team in that it will funnel targets then to Kelsey and Juju over the middle. That's the role. Marquez Valdez Scantling was a lot more responsible for that win than Kadarius Toney or Mikol Hardman. These are your close-to-the-line-of-scrimmage gadget Zs. They're fun. They keep the defense honest, but they don't keep the entire secondary honest every play like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was running all the routes on the outside, stretching the field. Kadarius Toney is not going to impact his role as much as he's going to impact Mikol Hardman's role. When I saw Kadarius Tony go to Kansas City, I was like, oh, Hardman's over. And then you're like, oh, no, Hardman got targets. Hardman was involved. Like, eh, for now. For now. But don't be fooled. And don't be fooled and think that Pacheco's not going to be a thing. Pacheco's going to be a thing when they have a lead. This was not a Pacheco week. They were playing from behind, and they had to turn up the pass volume. And by turn up the pass volume, I mean the Chiefs, when challenged, have decided that they are just not going to run the ball at all. We're talking about a 73-74 dropbacks to 13 handoffs. That's the ratio we're talking about. That's insane. That is insane. It's incredible. I mean, I'm so happy that that's what they're doing. It's the right way to play football. And if you're not one of these target magnet running backs, it's bad for you. It's bad for Pacheco. It's bad for Edward Solaire. Edward Solaire, uh, another dud. But if you had him and you listened to us, you traded him weeks ago. You're very happy. Pacheco's not going to be consistent, but he's going to have boom weeks. I'm going to keep going back to Pacheco, just I'm going back to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, because you're going to have these weeks where they funnel all the targets and all the, the dropbacks feed into the ultimate fantasy production of Kelsey and Juju. That's some weeks. That was this week. But there weren't a lot of points to go around this week. There weren't a lot of touchdowns to go around. Kelsey and Juju did great because they were the focal point. There's going to be other weeks where defenses take away one of those focal points and they let Marquez Valdez-Scantling run free. Or the Chiefs get up 20 and they start to feed Pacheco. And then he breaks a long run for a touchdown. Suddenly you look up and there's Pacheco 90 yards and two touchdowns. And you're like, oh, I should have played him this week. He's a chief. He's a starting running back with explosiveness on the Chiefs. Just like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is an explosive starting wide receiver on the Chiefs. It's important perspective when players dud out, especially when they dud out in a game where it looks like they weren't given opportunity. Then it's like, oh, man, like I can explain Cam Akers. He's dust. I can explain Robert Woods. He's dust, right? That's easy. Harder to explain these guys, right? Well, they're not dust. Cam Akers is, I mean, cooked. I feel bad for him. I feel bad. I mean, it's not completely over. Dante Foreman eventually got his explosiveness back, so it's not completely over. But at some point when you get 
completely and utterly dominated in the yards per carry department, that metric starts to matter. It's not the most sophisticated metric, but when someone else has like two and a half more yards per carry than you, you got to just take a seat, man. Like, stop getting mad at the coaches and get back in the gym and try to find that explosiveness. Try to get that fast twitch back. Do whatever it takes. Do I'm not saying ev- whatever it takes. Maybe you're, if your career's on the line, right? If there were one player in the league where you could imagine taking them to the side and say, hey, Cam, you know, your, your rookie contract's almost up. The team put you on the block. No one wanted you. You're the least efficient running back in the league by a number of advanced metrics on playerprofiler.com. This might be the time when you consider adding testosterone to your diet or direct injections into that Achilles area, those calf area, whatever, whatever is you're missing in terms of fast twitch muscle fiber. Let's go try to regrow it. Let's let's be aggressive. Let's intervene on your behalf. Interventional medicine to get you what you need, which is fast twitch muscle fiber, because without it, you're you're out of the league. Your career is over. Right. So that's why when I see like a Will Fuller and he's he's teetering on the edge of the end of a career and he gets a PED suspension, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I would. I would too, right? I would. So yeah, if it were me and I were Cam Akers, I would be calling doctors around the world that could help me restore the fast twitch muscle fiber to my legs by any means necessary, pretty much mostly. That's what I would do if it were me. I mean, I mean Tom Brady has incredible doctors. We know that, okay? He's playing football at age 45, okay? He was playing football at a high level at age 44, right? And, and, and he set this precedent that was unrepeatable. Like, Aaron Rodgers owes Tom Brady millions of dollars. Understand that? Like, millions. Like, he was 40. Without that Tom Brady precedent, the Packers wouldn't have paid Aaron Rodgers what they paid him. Wouldn't have, you know, backed the Brinks truck up and be like, yeah, $35 million a year. No way. No way. Because before that, it was like Steve DeBerg at age 41, you know, gutting out, you know, 3,000 yards passing. And then we have Tom Brady, like, leading the league in pass attempts and passing yards at age 44. Just beyond unprecedented. Beyond. How he did it, we'll never know. We'll, we'll, well, maybe one day we'll know, but we'll never probably know how he did it. And... Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm not doing any of that shit. I'm, I'm going all natural, baby. And uh, I'm going to be washed at age 40. And I'm going to be cashing checks, motherfuckers. <laughs> then Matthew Stafford's like, I could I could probably do something to help my neck and shoulder and, and all these different body parts that are falling apart. But uh, yeah, I'm good. I think I'm fine. I got a Super Bowl now. I'm good. Right. And then we look up and the Rams are playing the box. Right. The Rams are playing the box. So when we looked at the schedule, remember when we looked at the schedule? Remember week nine? I remember looking at the schedule going, ooh, week nine. Ooh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, we're going to be playing some some Rams and Bucks double stacks in DFS that week. Oh, can't wait to play that game in DFS. Stafford, Brady, Evans, Godwin, Cup, Allen Robinson. Whoa, Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette. Oh, my God. It's going to be on. It was one of the lowest totals on the slate, like a 42-point total, and then they combined for under 30 points. It was like the most obvious under 
on the whole board was to go under Bucks Rams. Like, oh, this is this is a reputational game total. This isn't based on what they're doing now. This is gonna be a slog. This is a swampy game, man. Gross. Right? And then they got all these washed players. I remember there were the people touting Julio Jones this offseason. Oh, I gotta get Julio Jones in fantasy. Julio Jones? Right? It's like the signs have been there for years. It, it there are so few examples of players that have passed 30 that are in steep decline that decide to pull up suddenly. It's such a rare thing. I was like, really? You're going to bet on Julio Jones doing that? I don't think of him as being a any kind of a you know big uh, supplement, workout machine, super intense, crazy, maniacal guy, right? I When I think of intensity and I think of guys that are going to play out into their 30s, I think of Terrell Owens, Steve Smith, Larry Fitzgerald, not Julio Jones. That's not, no, no. Any more than I thought, like, Randy Moss would play well into his 30s. I was like, nah, man, Randy Moss is good, right? He's been, he's been making money, being explosive, and just a better athlete than everybody his whole life. He's never had to go lift weights. What does he care? He's not going to play until age 35. Same with Julio Jones. It's like, how? How is he going to unwash himself, right? It's not possible. Cam Akers is young enough. He can unwash himself. Julio Jones, players like Julio Jones, no way. It's like Adam Thielen. Like, you think you're going to be drafting Adam Thielen next year? There's going to be people that are going to be like, Adam Thielen's going to score at 10 touchdowns. Watch for it, right? That's going to happen next summer. And you're going to be like, ah, well, look at this downtrend in his efficiency. I don't know. I have player profiler. I think he's washed. And I don't see him. No. Very unlikely. Uh, final takeaway from that game, Kate Otten. Okay, Kate Otten was the leading receiver for the Bucs. That's all you need to know, really. That's all you need to know about where the Bucs are, where Tom Brady is. He's divorced, and Kate Otten is his number one receiver, right? No wife, and your number one wide receiver is Kate Otten. That's Tom Brady's life right now. Wow, that's a real fall. That's a fall from grace. We don't have athleticism numbers on Kate Otten. Because we don't, I don't believe anything he does is real. Like if, if you had to ask me, who would I rather have in Dynasty, I would say Albert O over Kate Otten. Because I know Albert O is one of these size-speed specimens. They take time, but they eventually break out, and they break out in a big way, a difference-making way. Kate Otten seems more similar to me to a Will Disley... Maybe at best a, a Cole Komet, but not someone I would get excited about uh, at the tight end position. Short term, longer term, you know, that's one where you, you feel free to fool me with him. Right? You want to fool me with, with Kate Otten? I'm fine with it. Go ahead, get him, play him, have fun, go nuts. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I can't, are we le- Is this what's happening? Are we ending the show on Kate Otten talk? This is terrible. I can't believe this is, is this happening? This is, this is what we're doing. Let's just show Kirk Cousins on the stream. I just want to see that, that one more. We're going to end. I know it's been a real, a real uh, bummer of an ending. I mean, box Rams under 30. I should have, I should have structured the show differently. This was a fail by me. The big takeaway here is that I can't structure a show sheet for shit. Taking us out on Kate Otten talk. This is a big mistake. 
But I, I do want to look at Kirk Cousins real quick. Kirk Cousins on the plane. Oh, baby. Oh, look at that guy. He's having so much fun. Feels so good for him. All the best, Kirk. You're cool. Game over. It's finished. Finish him! Kirk Cousins finished Aaron Rodgers this week. It's over. It's absolutely over. You like that? You like that? You gotta like that, right? I got three words for you. You like that? Finish him! TikTok, what's going on? It's happening. It's shaking. Shaking bacon? TikTok. Let's do a little bit. We're doing behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, top 10 takeaways. We've, we've been doing uh, a few of these waiver-wired shows. And then I also remembered that we used to go live for the top 10 takeaways show. For, for the rest of the season, we'll be going live for the top 10 takeaways behind the scenes. Uh, on TikTok, you can see the more sort of professionally produced show on YouTube. Uh, the podcast is, is even yet more uh, professionally done. So we just have levels of professionalism, right? We have the TikTok behind the scenes, the raw footage, and we have the, the live stream on YouTube. Then we have the, the super polished podcast. That's how we do things over here at Player Profiler and specifically Top 10 Takeaways. So we're about to go live live on YouTube here. And I got my hat on that's way too small for me, but it's a, it's a hat I own. So just want that to be clear. This is a real hat that I, I had. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. a northern Maine bandwagon Patriots fan. That would be like one of the worst possible fan profiles you could ever imagine, ever.